pretty pretty good pretty good last night was pretty good wasn't it didn't did you did you uh join with the uh green and gold army and uh you know wildly celebrating wayne rooney's last minute winner yeah, I did. Although uh, from the comfort of my armchair in my warm living room, uh, where the decorations is kind of colour neutral, uh, but if I'd been there by Jiminy, I'd have been waving around my green and gold scarf. What was fantastic was the um, number of people who've dug out that old uh, Sharp-sponsored green and gold away kit from a few years ago, made during the era when uh, football shirt fashions really suffered. Yeah, it, it was uh, perhaps one of the worst ever uh, <laughs> of uh, you know Nike's many uh, sort of attempts at uh, squeezing a few more pounds out of uh, United fans. But uh, it, it's nice to see it's done a full circle and it's now being used and put to some kind of good. Yeah, and it, it, the, there's a certain irony in it being used as a protest against the commercialisation of our beloved institution, but still. Um, yeah, so Hull was all right. Um, when Sir Alex said we were pretty profligate, I kind of agreed with him. Uh, if Hull had been any good, we probably wouldn't have won 4-0. Wayne Rooney was absolutely sublime, though. Yeah, a whole barrage of goals in the last few minutes. Um, I, but in between uh, you know, the early goal and and uh, the kind of uh, final 10-minute hat-trick that Rooney got, I, I think you know, I did miss a, I did miss a lot of chances. Created a lot of chances as well, which is... Good, I guess. Yeah. Um, and Hull aren't much of a side, to be honest. I, I think they've got a really good chance of going down this season, uh, and they kind of capitulated. But it, it was just nice to see Wayne Rooney get all those goals at the end, and uh, some some fantastic strikes among them. Yeah, he's. I mean, we're obviously going to spend quite a bit of time this week waxing lyrical about Wayne Rooney, but he's had a ter- terrific uh, few days, hasn't he? I was thinking actually, um, the last few weeks have not been the best weeks to be a Man United fan ever, but. Um, the last week has just been a fantastic time to be a United fan, I think. Kind of coming together of the club. Sir Alex, in his programme notes against Hull, you wrote a piece talking about how his call for unity was uh, misfounded or, you know, not quite the right approach to be taking. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I was basically offended by um, by those programme notes, even though I do understand where he's coming from. The, the, in case you haven't... Uh, read them listeners have a have a look at ed's piece and they're also on on they're on manunited.com of course but they're, they're an it's an atrocious article it, it, he talks essentially he talks about the fact that unity is is what's needed um in order to strengthen our position in the league this season basically and he's right if we ignore the wider situation and just you know support the lads and and don't think of it in any kind of wider context, that probably would be better for the team between now and the end of this season. But it would be disastrous for United as an institution for the next however many years. Yeah, I, I, um, I, the reason why I thought he was he was so off base is that one, he he's never supported the fans on this. I mean, it's clear that Ferguson is either a fan of the Glazers or doesn't want to rock the boat or is fearful for his job, whatever's going on in inside uh, the club there. Um, so he's never done that, and he's been pretty aggressive in his dismissal of fans' concerns about this. So, yeah. in, you know, in what, one sense, it's the first time he's ever really ad- addressed it. But I thought it was off base because he's he's mixed two things together which don't need to be mixed. Just because uh, we are concerned about the nature of the ownership of the club and the direction the owners are taking us doesn't mean that we're not supporting the club. I mean, in fact, I think that's a contradiction in terms. I mean, we're clearly... You know, supporters of Manchester United uh, cheering United on on the pitch 
Um, and you know, you can't tell me that the crowd last night weren't you know vociferous in their support for Manchester United. They were also singing "Love United, Hate Glazer" repeatedly. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. And I think Ferguson's got that wrong. The thing is, the first part of that is Love United. That is the whole point of the campaign. And I actually think that's, you know, it's almost designed to preempt that kind of criticism that somehow if you don't kind of blindly ignore what's going on off the pitch, you're not supporting the team on it. I, I, I do find that. I do find Ferguson's position odd. And, and in fact, uh, there's quite a lot of supporters who uh, kind of echo that as well. I, I, you know, I noticed some supporters were kind of... Um, trying to encourage people to wear red and not the green and gold for yesterday and yeah that, to, to me that kind of missed the point so um and you know hopefully as uh as this campaign gathers strength which it certainly is doing and and hopefully it doesn't run out of steam which i'm afraid it did four years ago um people will come around to you know a better understanding of of what uh, must and i am usa and and other fans are fighting for here and it, you know in, in in truth, it's the future of this club. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I feel like it's kind of a bit wrong to speculate on Sir Alex's motivations because I don't know him. But there does seem to be a sense of legacy building and legacy protection because his own personal self-interest is best served by a fan base which is not critical of the club in any way. Yeah, um, I mean, he's obviously on a very short-term view. Uh, he, he wants to win right now, this season. That's his his only outlook. And in fact, I mean, you know, his, his time at the club is medium term at best, right? Three years, yeah, if yeah. that, right? Yeah. He, he could go in the summer if he if he uh, felt that was the right time. So um, you can see where Ferguson is coming from. He he wants unity for for that reason. You know, longer term, it's essentially it's not going to be his problem, is it? Um, no, and but whoever comes of... in um, with the Glazers sucking out 565 million at least over the next seven years is going to have a much more difficult job than Ferguson's had over the last you know, 10 to 15 years. And it, it was kind of, I, I found it quite heartening in a way that, that, especially in the whole game, the kind of Love United, Hate Glazer chant was, I don't remember a chant being that consistent since, you know, Middles, Ferguson's Red and White Army, Middlesbrough away, whatever year that was. You know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, right. I, I, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so that the, you know the campaign's obviously in full swing. But should we uh, should we talk about slightly happier matters and the just fantastic game of football that was played out last night at Old Trafford? Oh, it, it was great in the end. I mean, actually, we 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 spoke yesterday, of course, and I kind of felt the first half hour of the game it just didn't really spark into life in the the way we wanted it to. I, I guess uh, the teams were matching up tactically, sort of the five across the midfield and there just weren't a lot of chances there were there was um Carlos Tevez had one shot and Mika Richards had a run and a shot didn't he but th- there weren't a lot of opportunities in the first sort of half hour but then after the break it really exploded and uh, Wayne Rooney was instrumental to most of the great stuff United did last night and he's rightly got all the praise I, I also think you need to shout out Darren Fletcher who was you know monumental last night in the heart of midfield Absolutely, and I have to say, I, I did. Um, I think we both made uh, one bad call each yesterday um, during that match. You, you said to me that you were a bit concerned about the formation, and I think it was really spot on. And I think it was kind of important that he played Rooney up front on his own because um, it did somewhat negate the threat that City definitely do have. And I said about 20 minutes in, 
Fletcher doesn't seem to be playing very well. He then went on to have an absolute man of the match, barnstorming performance, fantastic stuff. Yeah, well, I think those two things are linked. I mean, uh, part of the problem when Rooney plays up on his own is that he ends up with his back to goal. He doesn't have the ball in front of him, which is when he's he's most dangerous. Um, And he has people too far away from him. Uh, And it depends on the wide midfielders. But yesterday... There's clear, especially in the second half, there was clearly a plan to get people ahead of the ball. So yeah. Paul Scholes did it, Michael Carrick did it, and Darren Fletcher did it. And it, was, it showed in the goals, right? So Absolutely. Scholes scored the first one after Carrick laid it back to him. Carrick scored the second after Fletcher laid it back to him. Those first two goals for United, the, the, those midfield players were instrumental in those. Absolutely. And uh, Nani's brother had two, two good games in a row. That's right, yeah, we've uh, shipped Nani back off to Portugal and uh, his younger brother, Nani Jr., um, he's, having, he's having a blind eye. He was, he was picked on merit last night, of course, and I, was, I think Antonio Valencia's had a really good season. It's, it's a bit hard on the lad to, to have uh, been dropped out of the squad, especially for Nani, who barely deserves a place in the Manchester, let alone in, the, in Old Trafford. <laughs> so, uh, but he had, a, he had a good game and you know, maybe there's hope for the lad yet. Yeah. One uh, long-term Manchester United watcher said to me the other day, the uh, the thing is, he's playing him on the right, and he's right-footed, and he's better there. Makes sense. Does make sense when you think about it. Does make so. sense, but um, that that's a tough call, though, isn't it? Because Antonio yeah. Valencia is there as well. So, hey, hey, maybe the two of them can fight it out. There's nothing wrong with that, but it does mean... Uh, and this is a discussion for another day, I guess. It, do, it does mean there's some uh, problems on the left-hand side of... Uh, United team that has been all season, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, um, I was thinking if Nani had changed one of his bright gold boots to green at half time, that would have been it. He'd never have got a stick from a United fan again. The rest, <laughs> yeah, <of> that's <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that that would have been a statement. I mean, I'm sure none of the players will ever say anything. They they they've been media trained uh, too well to do anything like that. Absolutely. Um, but yes, that that would have been that would have been good. Yeah. So, um, I, I, as is my regular way with these things, I was twittering all the way through the match. Um, <laughs> no, not that anybody wants to read my inane thoughts about football during the match, but I, it entertains me. And about 30 seconds before Rooney scored, I uh, hashtagged my tweet, now would be a good time to score. Uh, so I think I now have to do that any time United need a goal desperately. Well, football's uh, a game of superstition, so yeah, yeah, that's worked. Yeah, you've got to keep doing it. That might be what did it. Um, But yeah, it was was just, it was, I really enjoyed the first leg. I I think I said this last last time we we podcasted. I I know United lost, but it was was a really fantastic game. And I I felt like we would win at Old Trafford. And the the kind of two legs of this semi-final taken... As a whole, is is certainly one of uh, one of my personal football watching highlights. Really, uh, it's real. It's there was a comment in the Guardian today um, about how the match was so much greater than the prize at stake because you know we really don't care that much about the League Cup. But as soon as that draw against City and all the stuff with Carlos Tevez kicked off, the League Cup has become like the the trophy I want to win the most this season. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, it is it's the Carling Cup, but yeah. And Ferguson had said before he was going to play the kids, but hey, hey, let, let's not get this wrong. It, it was important for us to put City in, in their place. Also important for us to be in the final because... You know, there's no guarantees. AC Milan are on the up, 
Um, they, they've got some good results. Um, they're going to be a really tough tie in the Champions League, let alone anyone else. And Chelsea are going great guns in the Premiership again. So um, there's no guarantees. This is a really good shot at some silverware this season. So it was important. Yeah, and um, almost, um, almost both both sets of semi-finals have kind of dignified the. I know it's like a bit revisionist history that this season's like a particularly special season to win the Carling Cup, but I think it is because I you get the sense that that there have been teams in this competition caring about it more than in previous years. Yeah, so, maybe. Well, City certainly did because it was their shot at you know silverware for the first time in thirty-four years. Yeah, so. taking down that banner. Uh, people, you started talking about taking that banner down as soon as the match had finished, and I was thinking, Shh, "Stop it! Stop it! They'll end up winning the FA Cup." If you yeah, there's it, there's it, a little bit premature, perhaps. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, but Roberto Mancini had spoken about it before the game, saying that they were going to rip it down. And uh, of course, Gary Cook last week oh, uh, infamously, oh, infamously did... <laughs> said that City were not only the biggest and the best, but it was a matter of when and not if they were going to beat United in the Carling Cup semi-final. Eat the words. Eat the words, Gary Cook. Much as whenever we refer to Darren Fletcher, we have to refer to him as Manchester United's most important midfielder, Darren Fletcher. Uh, What is it? The hapless chief executive, Gary... Manchester City's hapless chief executive, Gary Cook. Yeah, he's a fool amongst fools. (laughs) I did did love that someone had uh, hacked his Wikipedia page. In fact, this happened before last night's game, but uh, it was a good time to post it up. Hilarious, actually. Take a look. Uh, It's linked to from United Rank Co. UK... um, he, has, he, he, amongst other claims for Gary Cook, he invented the colour yellow and tried to sign Pele for Manchester City. <laughs> well, the first one of those obviously made up, but the second one's definitely true. But in news, for, of course, for Manchester City, they've got a new sponsor this week. Who's that? Viagra. Uh, first time they've got a semi in 34 years and they lost it at the last moment. Ah, uh, how long have you been working on that? <laughs> uh, about three minutes. It was on Twitter today. <laughs> All right, it's pretty good. Um... Yeah, so uh, that was kind of absolutely glorious and potentially how important do you think it it could turn out to be to the kind of momentum of the season? The decision to play Rio looks to have paid off in spades because I thought he made a massive difference yesterday. He does, with Van der Zaar back, of course. Um, There's a price to be paid for that. He's been given a four-match ban today by the FA. I mean, uh, it was always going to happen. Would it have been a three-match ban if he hadn't played yesterday. Yeah, it would have been a three-match ban. They've added on, a, 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 which is, you know, disgraceful, I think, this this rule. This, this is like uh, saying if you appeal your sentence, um, yeah. you're going to get a longer sentence. I mean, people should have a right to appeal, right? And I think he had grounds to appeal. Look, he clearly catches the guy, but uh, his belief was, you know, he was being punched and he was trying to wrestle free. Hey, he might have lost that argument, but uh, he's a, he has a right to make that argument, I think. Because, and the, here's the important bit, it's not like the decision is made and then you appeal it. Uh, so perhaps the word appeal is the wrong thing. He asked for a hearing, right? So they said to him, plead guilty or have a hearing and you get an extra ban. Yeah, it's pretty outrageous, although they have to do something about the kind of deliberate manipulation of the appeals process to, you know, to get to facilitate the kind of thing that happened yesterday where where by Rio played because he appealed. The problem with that is that they, they changed the rules this season, so they've now got this fast-track procedure. So it's the FA's own rules. They could have had the hearing on the same day as the charge. They don't do that, right? So they give you 48 hours to decide whether to appeal or not, or you know to contest it. 
Uh, and in, if you do that, they obviously need a day to convene a hearing. So, you know, sorry, it's the FA's own rules. They could do it on the same day. Yeah, well, absolutely. No, that's 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 fair enough. Right, and another point I wanted to make, and I don't want to stand like a scouser whinging here, but um, <laughs> Javier Mascherano in an earlier round of the Carling Cup whacks a Leeds United defender with an elbow, turning around and swinging. No FA charge, no ban. Yeah, it, yes. It's, it's, I, I, I always think that kind of it sounds like you're saying it's because they favour Liverpool players but it's nothing to do with that it's all no, it's about inconsistency. profile it's, it's in- all about profile it's about the profile of the incident that's that is the key factor now of course we get the wrong end of the stick a lot of the time because everything United do is relatively high profile mm. um, yeah it, this wouldn't have happened in the third division or you know, no exactly League 2 or whatever it's called these days um, but, and, it, but actually but this it, is a point that Ferguson makes a lot that um, that's why he banned the sky cameras from Carrington this week because Sky, you know, cooperated with this and handed over the footage. Would that have happened with a lower-profile game? I don't think so. Mm, it's, a, it's a very interesting um, situation. It, it, the FA, yeah, we all know that the FA are not a particularly effective organisation, but it's a very difficult thing to run football, isn't it? It's not, it's not logistically straightforward. No, it, it's it's the you know utter incompetence of some of the decisions, though. I know they they just seem to be made by a bunch of old farts. They were probably county FA people. Who you know who are not experienced, um, and and it's not transparent. We don't actually know who these people are, and it should be because for years that David Dean was the head of disciplinary matters, and if that wasn't a conflict in, of interest, what is? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just I just yeah, they're not effective. They're incompetent, um, and it's shown time and time again. Absolutely. So from a subject we agree wholeheartedly on to one which I'm sure will brook some disagreement. Um, at the moment, I am reading the biography of Mahatma Gandhi, which is fantastic read by the way and i highly recommend it it's made me think a lot about a couple of things one to love your club is to kind of exclude and hate other clubs i find some of the chants that united fans sing deeply deeply personally offensive but that's okay i I kind of understand that that's part of the game i think the park ji sung chant is uh, kind of revolting, not because it's racist against people in Korea, but because of its uh, final stanza. You know, and and I I know that puts me at odds with the vast majority of fans who would be kind of interested in the content provided by United rant. You you could argue that to a large extent it's kind of banter and whatever, and not not meant to be harmful, but. But football fandom definitely has that kind of dark underside. The Love United Hate Glazer campaign is uh, is an interesting one because um, Glazer becomes a figure of hate in it. Obviously, it's right there in the name, and I I, I can't I couldn't stand on the terraces and and sing that just because I I don't hate Malcolm Glazer. This is by the way this is this is not the editorial policy of UnitedRant.co.uk. Cannot stress this enough. Um, I don't hate Malcolm Glazer. Malcolm Glazer is uh, part of a very corrupt system. He's doing something um, completely venal and self-interested to the detriment of at least hundreds of thousands of people who care passionately about Manchester United, and uh, you could definitely say millions. And and that's not a good action, but... um, to me, the answer isn't isn't. Uh, I'm kind of with Gandhi on this one. I'm, I'm I think hating your enemy uh, lowers you rather than damages your enemy. But I'm not sure you're quite on the right track, though. I think it's a rallying call more than anything. Um, yeah, right. I mean, so so we could have a semantic argument about you know whether the word hates right. Um, I don't think anyone's actually advocating violence against 
uh, Malcolm Glazer, although you know the burning effigies are fun and all that. You know, I, th- I think Malcolm Glazer is quite safe. I, I think, I think the, the you know the point here here is actually United fans are, are organised, uh, are articulate, are uh, knowledgeable about what's actually going on now because we have more information. Yeah. Um, and it's important that groups like uh, Must and INUSA, I mentioned before, uh, keep spreading that information. Yeah. And it's spread as far far and wide as possible. Um, so you know, a planned and organised campaign to get these guys out of Manchester United is enacted. And so, you know, the Love United, Hate Glazer and the Green and Gold campaign um, are, are just things to hook onto. Um, yeah. And you do need that for, uh, you know, to bring the masses with you. I'm afraid that the, the reason why the steam ran out of uh, the anti-Glazer campaign before amongst the mass of United supporters worldwide and people who spend money on tickets and TV stuff and merchandise and all of that is that there wasn't something to hook on to and the financials were very complex and the Glazer family did very well to keep it secret for such a long yeah. time except to City Insiders um, and now that they've had to go to the market and you know cap in hand and beg for money um, we we all know the truth and there was also I think I think the first time round there was also a kind of oh it's probably not as bad as everyone's making out Yes, wait and see, wait and see. Well, we waited and we've seen. And And exactly what the people leading the charge against the Glazer families take over at Manchester United were saying is exactly what's come to pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so I think think that's what it's about. Uh, Hey, look, Glazer and his sons almost never come to Manchester anyway. So, you know, hates... um, Hate is just a word in in this uh, circumstance. Actually, we we need to be very clever about it, and uh, I'll be putting up a post later this week at some point, um, a, a ten point plan for getting rid of the glazers. And uh, I think we you know can realistically do it. And I, I thought there was some very good stuff in the papers this week actually, um, from uh, some city insiders. That's the city of London, not Manchester City. <laughs> no, um, there were some pretty good pieces from them too. You, by the way, if you haven't seen that Gary Cook video, you have to go and watch it. You've posted it on United Rant, right? I have. I have. Yeah. It's, up, it's up there today. Um, so yeah, some good pieces by some city insiders, um, including Paul Marshall and Jim O'Neill. Uh, Jim O'Neill unfortunately works for Goldman Sachs, who underwrote part of the, uh, the bond issue. Um, both criticising it. Um, Paul Marshall um, uh, run, runs uh, Marshall Waste, one of the, the big derivative firms uh, in uh, in the city of London, um, and uh, yeah, he's extremely critical. He's extremely critical of how leveraged United are, calling it a junk bond issue, um, and saying that the club should be returned to the community of Manchester, um, and that would be the ideal scenario. I think it would. I'd be very interested to hear. Uh, from football-loving City insiders who aren't necessarily United fans. Um, that that would be very interesting to me. As part of your 10-point plan, spoiler warning if everyone's waiting for the actual uh, piece, do you see um, fan ownership of some form as being the, the end goal of this? I think it's essential, because otherwise we go around in a big circle again. I mean, we talked yeah. before in the last um, Rentcast about the potential for flotation. Yeah. So flotation just allows someone to buy it. In fact, a private owner allows just allows someone to to buy the club. Hey, and we can see the problems very very clearly this season uh, with uh, leverage buyouts at Liverpool and United, with buyouts by people who couldn't afford what they were doing at Portsmouth, and then with fan-owned clubs that went private, Notts County, and they're screwed as well. 
So I'm afraid fan ownership, Barcelona, Real Madrid, for all their instability with you know annual elections and all that, um, they they provide a, a a model that makes sure that the best interests of the club are broadly speaking looked after. Yeah, and you know at the moment, I mean. It's kind of incomparable because of the support they'll get from local government, all that sort of thing, and even probably national government, um, compared to what United would get under similar circumstances. But Real Madrid and, and Barcelona are probably the two clubs at the top of the footballing club world pyramid at the moment, aren't they? You know, and maybe not in terms of quality, but the whole package finances quality. Right. If I owned United wouldn't stop United from being commercial. They can still go out there and raise funds from media and ticket sales and um it's not some kind of commune, right? The idea no. is uh, Real Madrid are running a very commercial way, so are Barcelona. You raise money, the funds that you do gain are used on the transfer market or to better the club in some way, you know rebuilding the stadium in Barcelona's case, splurging millions and borrowing from the banks in uh, Real Madrid's case, and, and all of that. Um, but it'd be up to you know the board, which would be a bunch of executives, not just you know 12 fans sitting around voting on which player to buy. <laughs> Championship <laughs> manager experience required. Yeah, right, which is, uh, uh, by the way, what they do at Ebb's Fleet. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I don't think anyone's suggesting this is a good idea. It, you know, this is football by plebiscite would would not be great. But you, you do need proper executives in charge who know what they're doing. We really uh, would have a lot of strikers if we were run by a plebiscite. Right. <laughs> yeah. Every, every time someone, uh, you know, reads reads the Sun and you know X Y Z striker from Spain is coming in for fifty million. Yep. Yeah, stick our hands up and vote for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you would you would have a proper board, but presumably you would have a political structure and elections and all that sort of thing of course there does kind of be kind of need to be that because if it's a democratic organization then then uh yeah the, the voice of the fans does count yeah yeah and and to quote winston churchill like democracy is the worst possible form of government apart from all the others that's you know that's that's the situation we'd be in it, it's not like this would be some kind of utopian paradise there would be plenty to complain about no no happened. no the, the utopian paradise is over at fc united right <laughs> i mean um uh, manchester united have uh, have have bigger goals in mind i think and i don't think i don't see any reason why united should stop having a shirt sponsor or other sponsors or, or whatever it is we all want to see good football and and uh, football these days is about spending money, either on player wages or transfers, and and all of that. You know, we can have an argument about whether there should be a a wage cap, which you know I think there should be, but that's a that's, I guess that's a debate for another day. But um, I think fan ownership is realistic. Now the issue is, how can the money be raised? Because actually, before the, the Glazer takeover four and a half years ago now, uh, Must and some people did talk to the city about raising the money. The problem is they'd have had to do a leverage buyout in exactly the same way. Yeah, because the, the playing field would have been ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, the, the playing field was completely unfair. But also the idea of a leverage buyout four and a half years ago might have seemed like a much better idea than it would seem today. And talking of, uh, you mentioned transfers and spending, uh, we've bought a young lad. Chris Smalling, yeah, um, uh, apparently paid uh, up to ten million pounds for him. Although I would suggest um, that that headline number is uh, is not the upfront cash. Uh, most yeah, that of that's going to be performance related. Is that ten million pounds if he scores the winning goal in the Champions League final? That kind of thing and plays a hundred times for England. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what, what do you know about him? V- very little. I've seen him uh, twice, I think. Uh, he had a very good game against uh, Chelsea this season uh, before putting through his own net. Rather unfortunate. Uh, he looks, uh, from what I've seen of him uh, in highlights and, and that kind of thing, uh, quick, good in the air, comfortable on the ball. Um, I think uh, Roy Hodgson said this week, what more do you want? Um, yeah, yeah, right. It yeah. looks like a good player, and you you, you kind of trust that um, that uh, United uh, know what they're getting if they're spending that kind of money. He's got a, I think, three hundred twenty-one caps now. Almost certainly means that uh, Nemanja Vidic is leaving in the summer, of course. At least that's the speculation, but it seems it seems to be the case. And and he probably won't go straight in the team. I guess they're going to trust Ferdinand and Evans. Um, and there's still it's... talk about. Uh, Simon Chiara of Palermo coming in, and that's quite a strong rumour. It's a great example of the current situation, isn't it? You know, he's a young player, lots of bags of potential, uh, very expensive for what you're getting, but not very expensive compared to buying a like-for-like replacement for Nemanja Vidic. If yeah, well, it's, it's, it's expensive. Uh, it depends on the outcome, right? I mean, yeah. it's very expensive if you buy an Anderson for £17 million and he doesn't quite work out. Right? It's yeah. not so expensive if if you spend that money on a Cristiano Ronaldo. So I'm afraid that's the risk of buying young players. Just very, very quickly, uh, you put up a post about how it was on Monday this week, uh, 15 years to the day since um, Eric Cantona uh, karate kicked a Crystal Palace fan. Yes, <laughs> I mean, I, I couldn't believe it was 15 years to the day, but yeah, it, it was indeed... Um, 75th minute, you know, he gets uh, sort of challenged from behind by Richard Shaw and turns around and tries to kick lumps out of the player and rightly got his red card and off he, you know, struck. It's funny, he didn't leave the pitch straight away. He sort of kind of, you know, stood there moodily looking around. Yeah. Deliberately turns up his collar. Yeah. Decides to leave. <laughs> um, and uh, the kit man's kind of ushering him off and then he, in a quick as a flash, fast as lightning, you might say, um, he uh, jumped into the crowd and uh, started doing a bit of kung fu fighting. Fast as lightning, you and Carl Douglas might say. It's it's interesting in a way. I was just thinking, like, 15 years, that is unbelievable. And it kind of means that, like, you know, Eric Cantona is to a whole generation of United fans what, like, George Best and Bobby Charlton and Dennis Law were to us. Right. You know, this glorious figure from the from United's storied history. Um but he, he, you know, he, he's like the the most important footballer of my my lifetime. You know, just personally as as a fan, he he was the player that that captured my imagination more than any other. You know, it's a combination of like the time at which it happened and what a transformational he, effect he had, and the fact that he would like randomly make up poems to confuse press people, and occasionally, you know, karate kick crazy racist. Um, fans he, he was a very right. very special player and of course uh, on that night he made his debut in Paris on the theatre stage uh, I, I read some reviews of his play it was you know broad, broadly warm towards uh, Eric the actor and of course he was in Looking for Eric in uh, the, the film last year which was excellent as well He's, he was absolutely fantastic in Looking for Eric as well my favourite moment in that film he goes I am not a man I am Cantona and then he stops and <laughs> grins and laughs it's brilliant Superb. Arsenal at the weekend, yeah, a, a tough game course without Rio, uh, which is a real shame. So I, Vidic will be back. He was on the bench uh, yesterday, so I guess it will be Evans and Vidic at the back. 
So um, they got not a very particularly good result against the Villa. The Villa did well to hold them to a draw. Yeah, in fact, Villa, they were a little unlucky. Villa are a good side, though, aren't they? Um, yeah, they are. They, they are a very good side. Um, and uh, Arsenal have been on a really good run. Uh, they probably will do without Thomas Vermeulen, who um, got a knock yesterday, though not uh, his leg wasn't broken, which was the fear. So uh, he probably won't play. It probably means Sol Campbell will play. Yeah, which is good because like it's only fair enough that we've got like a weird makeshift back four. They should have one too. Yeah, yeah the playing field. But it'll be a tough game for United. I, I, we come out of it with a point that will be uh, fair enough, I think. It's a shame uh, Rude went to Hamburg this week because otherwise we could have got him in on loan just for the week, so we could have had Van Lisseroy against Sol Campbell again. Yeah, j- just need Martin Keown, and we can uh, <laughs> recreate that uh, kind of famous Wembley day where they jumped all over him, <laughs> and uh, then follow it up with Pizzagate. Nice. Um, yeah. yeah. So predictions for the game? Uh, I think it will be a scoring draw. Okay, I'm gonna as always, be optimistic and, and say United will win. I think, um, you know, this is, this is, by, this is you know, it's, a, it's almost like if we do win, that's kind of at least two points in the bonus points column, isn't it? Right. The way this season's going. Um, but it would be an extremely handy three points. Um, certainly, it puts, certainly would be, certainly would be, yeah. Puts a lot of pressure on Chelsea then and... You know, and if United can reach anything like the heights they reached last night, fantastic timing as well, just to save those those extra thirty minutes and everyone's legs. That that was important, and of course they'll be going on a, on a massive high and the you know run of results now, and uh, just a real shame Rio's out. That that, that could be the difference. But yeah, um, that, that does make it. Yeah, it kind of moves it away from like going into it kind of almost pretty full of confidence that we're going to get a win to a kind of tentative well we could probably do it if we you know keep it together and everyone plays well I guess that's it for this rank cast um, pretty packed rank cast and it's been a busy few weeks um, and we'll see you in a week's time alright see you then <laughs>